Who can turn the world on with her smile Who can take a nothing day And suddenly make it all seem worthwhile Well, it's you, girl, and you should know it With each glance and every little movement you show it Love is all around, no need to waste it You can have the devil, why don't you take it Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. God, it's good to say that again. It's been a while. It's been a while. We're back! I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCann. And we are back, mother and daughter duo, to discuss The Mary Tyler Moore Show, picking things off kind of where we left off. Uh, Where we left you, unfortunately, a lot of um, life happened. Yes, as it, as it is want to do. Yes, as it Despite is. Despite our best efforts to try and keep things under control, control is an illusion. We know that. We do. And now we have proof. Yes. So we have decided, we had a few episodes that were banked, but we decided to go back to where we left off and just continue from there. So we were missing an episode. The episode that we were missing was episode nine. Uh, and now sitting in for Ted Baxter. So we're picking that back up. So there's going to be a little bit of a weird stagger happening here for the next couple of episodes, but that's fine. Cause really, you know, we make no profit doing this and we do it because we want to. So tough. <laughs> and it's super fun. And it's super fun. So it's honestly, it's great to be back. And we hope at least some of you have stuck around. So let's dig into the episode, shall we? We shall. So episode nine, and now sitting in for Ted Baxter. Not without reason, Ted is worried that his mandatory vacation might become a permanent one. So Ted has to take, well, it's literally like it says, Ted has to take vacation, but he has never taken vacation in his tenure at WJM. And uh, Lou kind of laughs at Mary when she's like, we got to convince him to take vacation. The reason... That he doesn't want to take vacation. Is, is an obvious one. Is an obvious one. He sucks at his job. <laughs> like, let's be honest. I mean, we like Ted, kind of. Well, we're going to have a conversation about that. About whether we like Ted or not. Yeah. <laughs> but Ted is not a good reporter. There's a reason why WJM is, like, way in the bottom of the ratings barrel. Mm-hmm. And it's a lo- it's largely his fault, let's be honest. So they have to find a replacement, and everybody's all reluctant well ted's all reluctant and slightly pathetic let's be honest so he tries to find excuses to not take vacation mm-hmm. because as we said he's very afraid to be upstaged by someone replacing him even for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. so um yeah he gives mary all sorts of excuses and she laughingly says to mr grant what if we write in a cue card that um, this is Ted signing off for the next two weeks. I'll be on vacation. And uh, <laughs> Mary thought it was a great idea, and so oh, yeah. did Lou. But then he, Lou admitted that he had already tried that unsuccessfully. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to. Yeah, it's not going to work. No, it would take. Uh, it would take brute force to get him to leave, or the sweetness of Mary Richards. 
Right. Which eventually is what does the trick. Right. And then he leaves and he goes on vacation. Air quotes are great for an auditory medium. Um, (laughs) So he goes on vacation and actually stays in Minneapolis and is writing himself. And puts on a a fake tan. And puts on a fake tan and writes himself fan mail and all sorts of pathetic little attempts to try and make his presence feel indispensable yeah and it doesn't really work no and he sends and he sends like a like a a note to say having a great time in acapulco with a postmark of minneapolis yeah yeah that's that's like extra pathetic yeah that's a big (laughs) oh ted so but a lot of what you know in the end you know they obviously do find someone to cover for him while he's gone and he's great he's amazing this guy is fantastic he brings them up to the number two spot in the ratings and like Lou is obviously over the moon Mm -hmm. but because this guy is so good he gets swept up by a what was it it was what the network so he's going to like that I guess the head office which is in New York yeah so if this is an affiliate of like ABC or NBC or CBS like one of the main networks so he ends up a top dog for the main network uh right and and he and he fits the bill he's good looking he's smooth he speaks well Mm -hmm. uh so yeah and he's very well liked so the the ratings go to like number two yep and so he leaves and ted gets his job back and they plummet in the ratings again by the end of the episode and Uh, and all is back to normal and all is back to normal the world is as it should be but there's a few little things in here that obviously (laughs) We're going to talk about some stuff. It's not like we have a podcast dedicated to that or anything. But (laughs) (laughs) there's, where do we even begin with this? Shall we begin with the tokenism? Yeah, there's a little tiny thing uh, (laughs) that is is tiny in that it's it's not a recurring theme throughout the episode, but it's front and center at the beginning of the episode. And for the likes of Ariel, it's quite... Shocking, I think, well, because it's so in your face and and it's actually supposed to be funny. Yeah. And it is funny, but it's pathetic and sad and infuriating, too. Yeah. It's... Ugh. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's not shocking to no, me. but it's, it's just, just so, like... It's so of that era. There just seems to be so much pride in it. So, okay. Uh, the the explain. moment... I explain, Lucy. So the moment is... Um, Oh, why am I forgetting his name? The writer. Murray. Murray, thank you. I'm like Murray. Mueller? No. Bueller. Bueller? Bueller. Ferris? <laughs> Murray. Uh well, so they're auditioning people to replace Ted. To stand in for Ted. For only two weeks. For only two weeks. And there's a woman that Mary has called in to audition and interview for the position. And Murray looks and goes, Lou's not going to hire a woman. Murray says, well, what are you talking about? Mr. Grant's a very open-minded guy. And two seconds after walking into his office, the woman walks out, clearly disgruntled, obviously having been kind of just shunned away. And she leaves. And Mary kind of says, well, why did he hire me then? And Murray's exact words are, well, don't you know? You're our token woman. And he says it was such, like, obviously it was written in... In, to get laughs. To, it was written in to get laughs. Yeah. Um, 
and to be kind of innocuous. But at the same time, it's, I mean, you don't need me. <laughs> I'm convinced the majority of our audience is female. You don't need me to tell you why this is a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy crap. Exactly. But it, I mean. Being a token anything is pretty horrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we've, I don't know if you've had that experience of being the token whatever. Oh, yeah. In your professional life. I certainly have. And it's kind of. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You don't want to be singled out by virtue of being who or what you are. Who or what you are. Yeah, yeah. I and I've been treated as the token female. F- the token female. I've been treated as the token Jew. Yeah, so have I. Oh yeah. I've had I've had people, and I may have mentioned this on the show before. I know I've said it on other podcasts. I've had people actively say to me, "Oh my God, you're my first Jew," because <laughs> they'd never met a Jew before in their lives. Which, considering how few of us there are in the world, fair. It's, that makes sense. But still, yeah. Like, don't say that. No, I'm not your acquisition. Exactly. Yeah. And even just as a woman, especially as a woman in uh, media and a woman in who works on the periphery of the film industry as a writer, mm. there is so much tokenism. There yeah. is, um, like, I used to associate with some men in the, in the industry, specifically in the Toronto film community, uh, who... Kid who always like to have at least one attractive female in their ranks. And I've noticed that as a trend. That's my own analysis. Really? Yeah. And they took me under their wings when I started and they showed me the ropes and they helped me out, answered questions, put me in touch with PRF so that I could go to screenings and things like that. Invaluable information. I was, I was grateful for it. And then when I started to get a little bit bigger than them, which was hard to do because they were large gentlemen, I have no qualms with saying this. I'm sorry. These guys are assholes. Uh, they decided to basically run a smear campaign against me throughout the Toronto film community. Really? Oh, yeah. When I got a position, uh, when I was on the board of directors for the uh, Canadian Online Film Association, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that is defunct, the CAOFC, um, when I was named to it, one of these people decided to uh, take that out on me to anyone who would listen. And a, fr- a friend of mine, a mutual friend who is a woman in this industry, came to me and said, you know they're saying this about you? Like, saying that I, I don't know anything, I'm shit at my job, like, I can't do this for anything. Like, and that they're only hiring me because I'm a pretty girl. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's funny. So tokenism. Tokenism. Is alive and well. Very much so. Yeah. In many As long as facets. that token person doesn't... Uh, rattle cages too much. Exactly. Once you become bigger than them, so to speak, then you're then you're trouble. Then you're not a token. Well, no, because then you over you outshine them. Yeah. And you then you're a shiny token. Well, that yeah. And then you lap them, and yeah. they don't like that. No, 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 no. But frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Precisely. Yes. Precisely. Because you've lapped them twelve times over by now. Oh yeah. And I am very proud of it. But what about you? Has that ever happened to you? Um, the only thing that I would say that I've been a token is a token Jew yeah. in my work life on a number of occasions. And uh, kind of a self-acknowledged one because there were there were pros and cons to it in the sense that, uh, and I always remember sort of working every Christmas because right. we, we worked shift work and this is in healthcare, so you work shift work because patients don't take Christmas off. And um, 
so I would work because I because Christmas was not something that I celebrated at the time and and so there were there was a group of us from each of the different lab areas so all the all the Jewish lab techs would work together and we had a great time because it was kind of fun and games uh get our work done and it was um so it was fun but yeah you were kind of it was almost a, a an expectation that you would volunteer for that position. And what right. if I wanted to, like, you know, go to Hawaii during Christmas? Was that allowed? <laughs> no, forbidden. No, no, not allowed. Forbidden. Did you guys order Chinese? Uh, no, we actually ate. But true, good point. <laughs> I, I suspect we probably went out for uh, Chinese for dinner after I came home. But no, we, we ate the Christmas lunch that the hospital provided. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, at least they did that. Free meal. Free meal. Yeah. So was that's right. good. So that was it. Yeah. So so as far as that, you know, the token woman little scenario, mm-hmm. it was kind of a relatively small part of the theme of the episode in general. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was that. It got the laughs. I'm sure it got the laughs at the time that it was aired. It served in its like, purpose. It served its purpose. And... That was, and you know, and it was fun at the time, uh, yeah. and that was that. I think the thing that shocks me the most about that, and specifically Murray's delivery, is almost the almost the pride of the I statement. Know. I know. As if, like, it doesn't even feel very tongue-in-cheek. It doesn't feel very self-aware. It just feels like, you know... Oh yeah, you're our one. You're mm-hmm. you're 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 that. It's I can't. I'm not explaining myself well, and it's kind of like, well, duh. He literally says that, right? But it, <laughs> is it almost like he's saying you're our token? We're proud of our token, and we don't need any more women in, in the newsroom because we've got yeah. our one. Yeah, there's there's that. There was also, and it, it's interesting actually. I didn't even think about that until just now, but relatively recently, there was. I think it was in the Atlantic, if I'm not mistaken. There was an interview, I can't remember who with, and the interviewee was a publisher. Maybe it was that the publisher of the Atlantic was being interviewed? I can't remember. He said that they have a hard time assigning 10,000-word long-form pieces to anyone who's not a white man. Why? Because only white men seem to be capable of doing those kinds of pieces. I shit you not. This is the Atlantic? Mm-hmm. That's... Sh- oh, my God. That's... Like- Either it was the publisher of the Atlantic who said it, or it was an interview in the Atlantic where it was quoted. I can't remember. I'll post a link to it Yeah. in conjunction with this episode. Yeah. But, yeah, he was quoted as saying that, and everybody came, like, just immediate uproar. Like, I mean, I know... A firestorm. Oh, my God. It's just the most inane and stupid thing to say. Like, well, I... (laughs) Here's the thing. If all you were... If the only people you work with are white men, and the Mm. only people you hire are white men... Then how do you know if anyone is capable of doing anything different? Well, exactly. Then, of course, you think that the only people who can do it are, are white men. Because they're the only people you hire. If you start giving women assignments that are that long or accepting pitches from women who offer long-form pieces, maybe you'll start to see that, well, they can do it too. Oh, my God. You mean this, you know, you mean you mean this black woman can write 10,000 words? 
I suspect she has a vocabulary comparable to all those white males. I mean, she passed the 9,000 word threshold and I definitely thought she was going to combust. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was possible. I just, it, it just... It boggles the mind it how that can be and how someone can put that into words yep. in an interview Yep. in 2019. Yep. Just coming out and saying it. Uh, beyond belief. Completely beyond belief. Yeah. It... It, it boggles the mind. But unfortunately, it's this kind of tokenism is still something that we see. There, there is a lot of action being taken to try and include women more actively, but it's not yeah. enough. Especially when we consider, and this all comes after, like, when you guys tuned in last, it was 2018. We hadn't yet celebrated the new year. Like, we're recording this well after. So a lot of stuff has happened. More recently, we saw the abortion bans in so many states so many states wow and to the point where it's it's now basically almost a punishable offense to get it at all and it's something that the supreme court that they cannot take to the supreme court because if they do it will open up discussions against roe v wade right so they've it, it's and what is it, a no sum game or something what's the term it's a zero sum game zero sum game yeah but uh you know, we're seeing stuff like that because the people who made those decisions were all men. Yeah. It was a room full of white, you know, Catholic Protestant dudes who have never wanted for anything or, you know. Now, one of the white Anglos. One of the governors who signed this into law in one of the states was a woman. Yep. And I can't remember. I want to say that was in. Alabama. I could be wrong. I, 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 I don't remember, but yeah. I remember seeing the post and thinking, you're a woman and yep. you're okay with this. And anyway, we could do a whole other episode oh, on yeah. and abortion sh- bans, which and I'm sure it'll, it'll come probably up. come up over time. But we should to focus back on this. But the idea of tokenism ultimately is alive and well. Unfortunately, tokenism is alive and well, and tokenism active inclusion is a great thing because mm-hmm. it it encourages growth and change. Tokenism begets more tokenism Mm -hmm. that ultimately actually shuts more people out right because it makes it okay to have the bare minimum and to do the bare minimum amount of work in terms of including more people and more diverse groups and i think also the the token person that is the lucky one that gets chosen is under a lot of pressure to conform Mm -hmm. and to not be a rabble rouser and to be you know, if you're a woman and we've hired you, we want you to to stay the course mm-hmm. and to and and to not mess up. It's interesting too because it's making me think of uh, this. There was this animated short that came out a few months ago. I'll find it and I'll I'll put a link to it in the okay. show notes so you'll find it or you can find it on our social media. And it was about these. It was about the idea of diversity in the workforce. And this ball of yarn, this bright pink fluffy ball of yarn, gets hired by this corporate company where everybody's, like, they're all, we're, we're meant to assume that they're men. They're all in, you know, pristine suits and they're like gray squares or something. Like, they're a very, you know, and they're all making jokes about the same things, usually at the expense of other groups that they are not, like women or people of color. And this ball of yarn is desperately trying to conform, but she's being, and it's, it's, fe- the, she's the ball female, of yarn is female. Obviously. Yes. She presents as female. 
she is being shut out from meetings. They don't include her to go to the bar after work. So Mm. she's being locked out of her ability to progress through her career and really rise through the ranks. So she conforms. And in her conformity, she starts to be welcome to things, but she loses a bit of herself. And then they hire another ball of yarn, a yellow Mm. ball of yarn. But she has started to conform so much that she doesn't immediately reach out to this new ball of yarn who feels as alienated as she did when she started and perpetuates the cycle of indoctrinating the alienation of our own kind of our own people women like women again into the default model exactly yeah and we leave them out in the cold and so it almost becomes like a like a cycle of systemic almost generational again air quotes radio perfect uh abuse Yes. Where women hurt other women because they've had to conform in a male-dominated field in order to get anywhere that they are not willing to help out other women or to go back to behaving, to not conforming to the male norm. Right. As just one example. It's a very interesting one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with someone like this woman who was either in Georgia or Alabama who signed Mm -hmm. into these bills, I mean, she's, she's the one off. Yes. I have no sympathy for her. No. Don't get me wrong. No. But it makes sense. And she has a job. And she has a job. And a prestigious one. Yep. Mm. And she'll keep it. Yes, of course. Even if that means... Selling your soul. And probably killing thousands of young women. Women. Predominantly, let's be honest, women of color and women from lesser means. Yep. So. Yeah. That's a whole thing. We'll talk about that at a later episode. (laughs) I'm sure it'll come up. Um... But yeah, with with Ted, I guess going back to Ted and his fear of leaving because he's afraid of being replaced. And it's a very valid fear because he's bad at his job. <laughs> so it doesn't take uh, a Rhodes Scholar uh-uh. to replace him. It just takes someone who is even a little bit better. As it happens, the man that they hire is a lot better. Oh, yeah. He's he's terrific. Um, so he So his valid fear... Is very valid. Yes. And uh, and so I think he's been keeping up with how well this guy is doing. Yep. Because he's been watching it on TV at home while yeah. pretending to be in Acapulco. Yeah. So you kind of feel for pathetic poor Ted. Yeah. And certainly Mary and Murray feel very bad for him. Yep. And then, in fact, Ted comes to visit Mary halfway through his vacation mm-hmm. Um, and admits to not having gone on his vacation and please, please, please pity me. Yeah. Like he was very upfront about what he needed from Mary and Rhoda who happened to be visiting Mm -hmm. to say, I, 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 I couldn't go back. What did you say? Rhode Island? I guess that's where he comes from. I think so, yeah. Like he just couldn't go back. He really, really needs this job and he wants to be this person and half of you kind of goes... Poor Ted. Yeah. And the other half goes, maybe this is just, maybe it's a good opportunity for a career change. Well, yeah. And (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, because he literally, he's fully just saying, like, you know, Mary's trying to encourage him and Rhoda's trying to encourage him. And he says, I don't want your encouragement. I want your pity. (laughs) Because that's all he can do is accept pity. And, like, he never really rises to the occasion. And it's true. Like, he, he does elicit 
a ton of sympathy, far more than he's able to, than, far more than he deserves. I think so, because he's, he's really a narcissist in the worst way. Oh, yeah. And well, I, at the beginning of the episode, you even said he has some interesting Trumpisms in him. He kind of does. It's like, I know I'm good at this. Like, he, he says all those things. I think deep down he's an incredibly insecure man, but then again, so I think is Trump. No, I just think he's a callous idiot with no soul. That too. Um, but I think I think Ted is very afraid of showing his true inept self. Mm-hmm. So he puts on this bravado face of "I'm so great," yeah, um, which is pretty pathetic. And you know, to to Mary and Murray's credit, they really. <laughs> They really root for him, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny considering that it probably doesn't benefit them uh, um, professionally to be working in a news uh, uh, room, in a a studio, in a newsroom Mm -hmm. that has Ted as an anchorman. Well, exactly. And, well, you were saying while we were watching it that you don't understand why they like him. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a hard-nosed person well i mean you are but you're like but that's not i think once upon a time we would have been much more sympathetic towards someone like ted baxter yeah i think at the time you know the general viewing public was significantly more uh sympathetic towards ted baxter because they saw him and oh but he's a sweet man and, like, give him a chance. Mm. And that's fine. That's great. I get it. Totally. Looking at it now, mm-hmm. and especially since you mentioned this, and it, even me at first, I was like, yeah, but he's, like, he's kind of sweet. He's a bumbling idiot, but, like, he has a good heart. It's like, cool, but does that make, does that mean that he deserves to hold the position that he holds above someone else who may be more talented, who's not an old white guy? And it's not even about about gender or age. I think it's strictly about merit. It's about like leaving aside everything else. He's bad at his job, mm-hmm. and yet he gets to keep his job. In this case, it was a bit of a fluke. Yeah. Uh, but the the lack of insight, which I thought was incredibly interesting, when Ted said, "So this guy, the other guy, mm-hmm. the the replacement, yeah. got scooped by the network." Because the network caught on to the fact that the ratings were going up mm-hmm. while Ted was away. They saw this guy. They liked this guy. They offered him a job. He goes. Yeah. Ted, when he comes back, says, well, I should, I'm never going to take a vacation again because if I had been here, the network would have seen me and would have scooped me. So the lack of insight yeah. of, how, do you not realize that the only reason the network tuned in is because you weren't here? Well, exactly. It's like, oh my God, you're you're beyond stupid. But the, and the, and I get the saying like I, I get I understand you saying like it's not about gender or things like that. But that does factor in. Why does it factor in here when it's one white male replacing another white male? Well, in that just a context, younger, better looking one. Well, just thinking about it in terms of current context. So, okay. like, if we take what this episode is yeah. and look at it, because looking at it at the time, no, it, it has no bearing. Because that would never have been a consideration or an issue. Yeah. But looking at it now, mm-hmm. looking at it from this present vantage point, they are keeping... It, it, it is the state of employment for They're... women and women-identifying people. 
mm-hmm. of all walks of life where we have to work, some of us more than others, infinitely harder than the mediocre white dude who gets the promotion. True. I get that. And that's what this is largely. I suppose. Is yeah. instead of hiring a woman who... Right. The token woman. The to- and Instead of hiring a second token woman, let's just yeah. say that would have happened, she likely wouldn't have been picked up by the network. No. But she probably would have done a great job. Yep. And she could have stayed on. Yep. And would have been a great replacement for someone like Ted. Again, all of this is hypothetical. Right, because we don't know if she's any good. No, because she's a fictional character who never got fleshed out beyond walking in and out of an office. I think she had no no voice. I think she had no no speaking part. She had no lines. No. But But I get it. I understand. I understand what you're saying. And in that regard, thinking about it that way, I completely sympathize with you with this whole I don't really like Ted thing. Yeah. Because, like, again, I did, and it was very much, oh, look at him, he's sweet and bumbling, and he's an idiot, but he's lovable. He's funny in his idiocy. Yeah. But he's also, like, aside from being a narcissist, he's very, he's very cheap. Yeah. He cheats people out of everything. At every turn. He will, he will nickel and dime everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Becomes kind of belligerent and prima Mm donna-ish in his approach to everything. Yeah. So I see very little of him that I like. And I get that. Yeah. And and if I think about it beyond just, like, if I actively think about it as opposed to just consuming the episode, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. The, the, the aside from all of this that um that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. in kind of when when before we did our backtrack but even now is the whole concept of the imposter syndrome yes which uh ted is not thinking imposter syndrome in the sense that um um gee i don't know that i can rise to the occasion of my job Mm -hmm. he's just bad at his job exactly but many of us have think i think have been in a position where we are afraid that we're definitely very dispensable. Oh, yeah. So somebody else can step into our shoes while we're away on vacation or on sick leave or on whatever yeah. and carry on as if nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that you are so not indispensable and you're as good or as bad as anybody else. Yep. And you're not special. No. And it's no. kind of a scary thought. It is. And especially, I mean, at the very least, like, imposter syndrome is an epidemic in the writing community. Oh, I can imagine. It, all of us have it. So it's really, really weird when you get into, when you mingle with a group of people who are all at the same time thinking doubting you themselves think you don't think i'm good enough oh my god you think i'm not good enough for this i don't think i'm good en- i can't do this I'm therefore not, i'm not as, not good enough yeah i'm not as smart as you or as smart as you i'm not as well written as this person here or any of that and like mm. they're gonna know mm. they're gonna find out that i'm yeah. a total fraud it's yeah i mean uh, yeah and Ted is a total fraud. He is. He's <laughs> practically is a problem. con artist. He kind of is. Yeah, he is. He is the the epitome of the fraud, uh, um, imposter. Oh, completely. Yeah, he is actually an imposter. How did he ever get that job? Uh, he walked in and was charming. I guess so. That's probably all it took. Yeah. If he didn't speak, he looks good. Yeah. You know, he's got anchorish. 
yep. uh, visual credentials. Yep. And he has, and he has a good voice. Yep. It's just what he uses that voice to say that's dumber than he is. But yep. alas. Anyways. Anyway. It's good to be back. That was the episode. It was very <laughs> fun. And as per usual, it kind of, I mean, I think it's okay if we kind of latch on to specific details that are, that, that, that resonate with us. Well, exactly. And hopefully I'm, with our listeners. Hopefully. Yeah. I if mean, not, wait hope, till next one. It'll be hopefully fun. Hopefully they're still listening. So next are you week. Out there, world? It, I guess it depends on how you're listening to this. So technically this is episode nine. So in theory, the next episode that you listen to should be episode 10, which already exists and is already uploaded. So you're going to travel through time a little bit here. So, <laughs> so episode like 10, it. don't break the chain. Mary conjures up a few men from her past when she reluctantly continues Mr. Grant's chain letter. Yeah, I remember that one. That one was fun. That one was fun too. Yeah. And if you've listened to that episode already and instead you're jumping ahead to what we recorded next, then you're jumping to episode 11. This gets very confusing. I know. I'm sorry. It's basically Inception. So uh, episode 11, the six and a half year itch, Lou catches his favorite son-in-law at a movie theater with another woman. Oh, well, yes. yes. Oh, yes, yes. I It'll be nice remember. to revisit this one and actually yes, record it. it. All right. And that one is written by Jay Sandrich. Sorry, directed by Jay Sandrich and written, of course, by Treva Silverman. Who we love. Who we love. She's the best. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And we'll catch you next time.